have Grant Jackson, Managing General Partner at Council Capital, a lower middle market private equity firm, investing in the healthcare space with tremendous experience in the self-funded market. And along with Grant, we have Brian Poger, EIR and Operating Partner at Frazier Health Partners, a growth buyout private equity firm with experience and strong thesis in the healthcare benefit, self-funded and TPA market. Grant and Brian's experience is so relevant over the last 24 years. And interestingly, they studied together at Northwestern Kellogg School 24 years ago. Both have ended up investing in the growth stages of healthcare benefit uh, companies and have come at this through different journeys. So I'm super excited to have both of them share with you their insights. Where are investors putting their dollars to grow the self-insured employer market? So Let's hear the perspectives from these growth investors in the self-funded space and their journey of growing companies successfully. You are going to learn some valuable insights on how external capital partners help grow the self-funded admin space, failures and changes in the self-insured employers market, including things around cost containment, alternative contracting, member experience, and what's going on there. And what will be the impact on existing models and the impact on TPAs as member navigation, price transparency, incentive engine, more and more available? And where should TPAs and solution partners and providers should be focused on to drive up enterprise value in the next five years? You should only ignore this podcast if you don't want to know where the puck will be in the next five years. This program is brought to you by the Healthcare Administrators Association, HCAA. For over 40 years, HCAA has supported third-party administrators and self-insured employer industry through educational opportunities from leading industry experts. For information on joining HCAA, please visit our website at www.hcaa.org. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar, and I'm on a mission to bring value to the healthcare industry through improved transparency. And my goal from this podcast is to give you one aha moment that you can implement in your business, whether you're a TPA, broker, or an employer. In my day job, I run a company called Zaki Point Health that helps self-insured employers and their employees provide price transparency, direction, and value by delivering a digital front door for the member that proactively steers them. Please like or share this podcast on your favorite podcasting tool so we can bring together a community of like-minded professionals. We are pleased to have as our podcast sponsor, Ikigai Growth Partners, a valued sponsor of multiple HCA activities. Ikigai is a growth consulting firm that works with two sister venture funds to find and support the growth of innovative new companies in the areas of healthcare technology and tech-enabled services. If you're part of the self-insurance industry and are looking to innovate, you might benefit from a relationship with Ikigai. Now let's dig in with Grant and Brian. Great. Brian and Grant, I am super excited to have you both here. And I've heard many things about you, but more importantly, I have learned that you guys have known each other for over 20 years. And you're experts, in my eyes, on the topic we're going to talk about today, about where the funding world is going, where the puck is going to be in the self-funded space. But rather than me introduce you guys, I'd love for you to introduce yourselves. Brian, you maybe start first. 
what have you been up to? How have you known Grant? And what kind of brings you up to today to this topic? Sure. So Grant and I actually went to business school together. And in fact, I met Grant through his wife, who was working very closely with the dean who I was working with on some stuff and, and had the good fortune of seeing her thrive in the Kellogg sort of dean's office. I have been with Fraser Healthcare Partners for about a year, but I'm really an operator. And what makes me happy in the world of operating businesses is building mission-driven businesses with great people. Grant, how about you? I went in a different direction. Brian went the operator route. I went the private equity route. And I got into healthcare private equity directly out of Kellogg and have been doing healthcare private equity ever since it was a dirty word. I'm not sure they would let me in now that it's as popular as it is, but got in a few years after the balanced budget agreement in 97. And at that point, people fleeing healthcare, now they're coming to it in droves, but have been in it for quite a while and have been at council for 14 and a half years now. So I know both of you invest at different spectrums of healthcare investing and probably have your own views on the self-funded market. Maybe if you could share where you focus on your investing and what excites you about self-funded space. Grant, maybe you want to go first? Yeah, sure. You'll see Brian invests much bigger deals than we do at Council. We're 10 to 100 million of enterprise value and the sweet spot's really in that 20 to 50 range. I think our theses are going to be similar. Both of us, I believe, look at the self-insured employer market and say things have to change. The health plan of the future has to be very different for the self-funded insurer market. And so then how do we participate in it? We at Council only invest in companies that we believe improve the healthcare system. And so that draws us to this space because we feel that there's going to be a lot of improvement to the healthcare system in the self-funded employer space. I'm happy to get into what some of those theses are, or if you want, we can wait until a little later. Yeah, let's maybe come back to it. And Brian, if you tell us where you are focused and what's exciting you about self-funded space. Yeah, I'll answer the question of what excites me about the self-funded space first, and then just jump in, maybe share just a little bit about the firm I'm affiliated with. So what I like about the self-funded space is I think At the end of the day, in the U.S., if you're employed, your insurance is dominantly coming through your employer. And if you believe that cost is important, your only chance of managing that cost in today's world is to move to a self-insured platform. So I think that excites me about the self-insured space. And we've seen a continued trend of businesses moving towards self-insurance. Frazier, as I promised to share, is, as Grant said, a mid-market PE firm. So we typically invest in companies with 10 to $75 million of EBITDA. And I think like Grant, we're always looking to invest in companies that are on the good side of the world. And we can talk more about what makes Frazier different and the like later, but just as a highlight in terms of where we're investing. So both of you want to invest in good businesses, sounds like, that are doing good. Can you help me understand a bit more of that or who actually does invest in bad businesses then? Well, nobody 
claims that they invest in the wrong side of change in healthcare. But when you look at a lot of private equity funds and the kinds of businesses that they invest in, when you get into the weeds, you can ask yourself, do the investment theses rely on increasing costs to the system or decreasing costs to the system and improving health outcomes? There are a lot of aggregation strategies that a big portion of their thesis is around aggregating power to raise prices, add ancillaries, et cetera. We tend to avoid those and instead focus on companies that are either at the low end of the cost spectrum or they help facilitate migration to having care taken to the parts of the healthcare system where they should be provided for the most. So when that gets into the self-insured employer market, you're helping these companies who, as Brian indicated, are trying to contain costs, but also take care of their workers, work in their companies better. And so it's not just lower cost, it's providing a better solution around healthcare for their employees. And we've got a long way to go to change the healthcare system away from one that promotes utilization and fee-for-service toward one that really promotes improving people's health. Brian, how about your company? How are your investment approach different or is it similar what Grant is sharing? I mean, I think culturally it's very similar. So our founder was a guy by the name of Alan Frazier and he was a CFO at Immunex, which is a company that made Embril. And when that company went public, he having recounted these experiences he had raising capital, he realized that he always had to start by explaining what health was. So long before it was fashionable, he said, let's just make a healthcare specific investment vehicle. And he put 5 million of his own money, and this was 30 plus years ago. So a lot of money into it. And he raised 5 million from another wealthy family, the Pritzker family to do the same. And he just said, we're just going to make healthcare better and we're going to focus in on it. So I think culturally very similar in that sense. I think in terms of what Frazier makes Frazier different as a firm. I think there's a couple of things, a couple of ways that we support our portfolio companies that are distinctive. So one is we have this center of excellence program where we bring about 30 people to the table who can help the companies that we invest in as experts in a wide variety of things. So whether it's data and AI or human capital or illegal or finance marketing. These are the kinds of categories that these people can kind of come in and help. And and then we just, we have a big pot of capital and we are often willing to deploy it and interested in deploying it towards good investments with the company in the future. I don't know if that's different from Grant. I think it's probably just a difference in terms of the size of the fund and what size investments we target. To that end, I think you'll find most funds that have a long-term track record of building some of these strong companies, it really comes down to people. So you've got to have some sort of strategy that includes people who can help support great entrepreneurs in building more valuable businesses. So Brian shared a little bit about the way in which Frazier does it. Our approach gets to a similar place through a different mechanism. We have what we call the CEO council, and that's a group of who's who within the healthcare industry What's different about the way we do it is that that group of 34 individuals have invested over $140 million of their personal net worth into our funds 
and then they help us to support the growth of our businesses as help us figure out where healthcare is going so that we end up investing on the right side in healthcare. Those individuals collectively directly represent over two-thirds of the for-profit hospital beds in America, two-thirds of the managed care lives in America, former head of CMS, former president of National Medicaid Directors Association, and some other relevant areas within healthcare. So we utilize them in a variety of ways. Ultimately, it serves to help support the entrepreneurs we back in helping these small companies punch above their weight class and grow faster than they would be able without us. So Grant, this is great. Let me start with you. You have these insight into the market through this 34 investment partners, LLPs, whatever you call them. So if you think about and you focus on these early stage investments as well. Where do you think the self-funded space is going? What is going to grow over the next five to, let's say, even 10 years? So two questions, five years, where do you think things are going? And then if you have to really push it out there, 10 years. We've had conversations with a number of our CEO council members, and they started telling us several years ago that the healthcare system wasn't working well for them. There was a quote by a very relevant person within the managed care market who said, trend is our friend. And that might work in parts of managed care, but when a self-insured employer, they want to figure out how to lower trend and improve the quality of health, the healthcare experience rather than the opposite. So self-insured employers are trying to find solutions. They're realizing they have to be the captain of their own destiny rather than simply rely on third parties, particularly the managed care arena, to do it for them. And so what we've seen is an increasing sophistication in the way in which these self-insured employer plans are managed, built, etc. although we're very early in that process, where first it was the big companies and now smaller and smaller companies are opting to be self-insured. As that trend continues and as all companies of all sizes start to demand more as it relates to the quality and the price that they pay for their healthcare plans, for lack of a better word, you're going to see a variety of new solutions coming to this market. So we want to be there understanding the various points within the network, and we want to be there to invest in the companies that are going to have the biggest impact on this. So what are some of the emerging areas? So very high level. If you look forward five to 10 years, health plan that the employee has is going to be fundamentally different, that it's going to be something that helps people prevent health expenses earlier on, as well as help them manage their own navigation of the healthcare system better and then provide solutions and directions so that they can control their own destiny better. And so with that, it means that they're going to be both point solutions and more broader companies that can support that environment. So that's where we are. And as a small fund, we have to look at it a little differently than the bigger funds. We believe it would be dangerous to go after too many point solutions because a lot of the point solutions are going to get aggregated However, when you're a smaller fund, you can't bite off the whole of healthcare 
to begin with. Where we are always asking the question for ourselves is, is this an area that can support a smaller company that does something bigger that can ultimately grow into a bigger company? Or is this a point solution that's strong enough that it can ultimately absorb more broad point solutions and become broader? So areas that we focus on, we focus on that broader health plan of the future and then say, can we invest in companies that become that or can be a part of that? So it could be something broad or it could be there are a variety of cost containment solutions, there are a variety of member engagement solutions out there. And then there's some specialty companies focused on benefit management of certain conditions. We look in all of those areas and are always balancing the point solution versus comprehensive solution dynamics of a smaller fund. And maybe one more question. Are you seeing all of these areas need to have a lot of technology driven or these are just strong healthcare services companies that are doing cost containment? What is the balance when you are imagining the five years out that are they tech enabled? What's your view on that? We look at all companies as simply companies and we don't necessarily care to define the technology or not, but we believe every company of relevance is going to have to use technology well to support their business. If you're simply a technology solution in search of a problem, you won't succeed. But if you understand what problem you're solving and you can solve it with technology or with technology and people, then you end up in a great place. So across this, the whole spectrum of the landscape within self-insured employers, we're going to see more and more adoption of technology. And it's going to be those that use technology well that succeed in our eyes. So, Brian, from your lens, as Grant talked about, the way to unlock these opportunities is either to be a solution that is a platform almost, whether it's a TPA, whether it's a technology platform that has the ability to branch out into bigger space, or your really strong point solution that solves a specific problem of healthcare. Where are you seeing things? Is that a right framework to think about unlocking this value and where you see the opportunities? Yeah, the way Grant described it is very similar to the way we think about it. So we think about it as some sort of a health plan of the future as well as being one way to unlock value or one sort of solution the market needs. And we're starting to see some examples where that's taken off. And then I think we also think about navigation, navigation 2.0. Is there a model of navigation that helps consumers get the care they need, avoid unnecessary care and supports the consumer because it's a complicated, not integrated system in, in most cases. Kaiser and there's a few other exceptions, but generally on your own in the U.S. healthcare system. And then clearly there's a wide variety of point solutions that some of which will continue to add value over time and some of which will be gobbled up and consolidated as part of a bigger solution. I think on the large market, we see a lot of point solution fatigue. And I think we feel that in the self-insured landscape as well. I don't know if that answers your question, but in terms of, or if you want me to go to where the self-insured, how do I see the self-insured marketplace evolving over the next five and 10 years as well? Yeah, and I think maybe understand this navigation is going to be a major area of innovation, sounds like. You've talked about cost containment, we've talked about point solutions that are solved. Where are you seeing these opportunities and those category of 
solutions, what are you seeing happening on cost containment to member experience to contracting perhaps? We see movements in all of those, right? So in terms of platforms that can support some sort of a health plan of the future, those are starting from TPAs, they're starting from captives, they're starting from non-TPAs, just sort of pure startups that are licensing or working with TPAs. You're starting to see some venture capital flow into this world as well. If we break it down, we sort of break it down into where the value levers are and how you unleash this value. I'm focused very much on cost savings. Obviously, there's a broader part of the self-insured landscape that's not focused on cost savings, but it's all the things you mentioned. It's this move from fully insured to self-insured. It's the move to a TPA and away from VUCA and unbundling and negotiating hard your PBMs and managing your claims tighter. It's your network strategy. Do you go to RBP or do you go to some sort of value-based approach or a narrow network? Do you use or leverage transparency as a way to get to a next generation of reference-based pricing? And if you're using a broad network, which is what the market largely is, then you have to employ carrots or sticks to get people to make smart decisions. And that's where navigation comes in. So I don't know if that's helpful. That's supportive. Okay. So to lay out health plan of the future, and within that, all of these strategies need to come together in some shape or form. And what I'm hearing from you, Brian, is that TPA, do they need to innovate on these? Or do they just need to work with whatever the solution provider for that cost containment, RBP to member experience, whatnot? What do you see the role of the TPA there? Or if there's any mention here? I think people are competing for the member. So I think either the TPA wins or the navigator wins in some ways, or the direct primary care physician wins, right? Those are three different ways to solve the same problem. And then there's also a plan design sort of approach. The way I look at it for the TPA audience in particular, as part of HCAA is this is a big opportunity. I think there's an opportunity to be a TPA 2.0, to be a health plan of the future. It To succeed as a TPA historically, you had to be everything for everybody. You had to be able to accept all business. And I don't think that's going away anytime soon because we talked about the benefits of unbundling. And a lot of people who are going to have a contract with an independent TPA, they're going to want to control more and more. But if you go to the customer of the employer or the consumer, the member, that unbundling, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for an integrated experience and they're looking for ease and they're looking to know what do I do next? And either the TPA becomes that integrator or the TPA is relegated to the back office position where they started and someone else is going to really deliver that increased level of value to the employer and consumer. So I think of it as an opportunity for TPAs to look at what Quantum and others are doing and help set a path forward. And we're starting to see some who are doing that. Brian mentioned something that's really important there and is a bit of a change in our thinking is that there are a variety of ways to start. You could start with a TPA or you could start with another type of company. When we started looking at this market, we were trying to figure out the logical best starting place. And ultimately, we concluded it's less about where's the optimal starting place and it's more about making sure that whatever starting place that is, that you have the right team to build it, who really understands the whole ecosystem, and that you have a company that has 
a technology capability that enables future strategy. So some TPAs are well set up for that, others aren't. And I think it's important to, wherever you are in the system, don't try to be something that you can't be and figure out from other people how they view what you have. And then you can set your strategy. So broadly, we look at it and say, we're coming into a lot of flexibility to say, we can play this market a whole, a lot of different ways. And the nice of that is that the self-insured employer landscape is also very heterogeneous. So you've got certain types of self-insured employers who want certain types of solutions and others self-insured employers who want very different solutions. For us, what that says to us is there are a lot of different ways to be successful here, but you've got to be able to segment the market well enough such that you know where you want to go after and focus on. So both of you are kind of alluding to having a clear strategy. Are you care navigator? Are you an aggregator? Are you solution? And both of you are sort of highlighting the right team, the right capital partner to to realize that and to make sure that you're delivering that value to the self-funded employer. What is the role of capital in these kind of different innovations or businesses? Where are you seeing you're adding tremendous value and the role of that capital there? I'd say, firstly, we what we're focusing on is creating enough of a market map so that we can be pretty flexible as to where we invest. And then when we identify possible investment opportunities, I think what we bring to that opportunity, which a fund that is either not healthcare focused or if they're healthcare focused, they haven't been focused on the self-insured employer market as much as we have. What we bring there is we have brought a number of relationships to the table that understand this ecosystem and we can partner with the leadership team that's in place to create a plan that is going to be more comprehensive than what any one team is going to be able to put together themselves. And then through those relationships, we can help them execute on that strategy. We never want to be CEOs and run businesses ourselves, but what we can do is be connectors, put advisors around the table. And then as we put some of the pieces together, then we can leverage those relationships to help the company grow. So through customer relationships, et cetera. And broadly, that's where a capital provider, any bring capital itself. So that's not a differentiator. What is the differentiator is having the right people around you to support them in creating the right strategy and then using those relationships to help them actually grow. And so do you bring relationships with self-funded employers, distributors to the self-funded space? Let's say listener in the audience, whether it's a TPA or is some point solution, what will you bring to them? It would be a combination of relevant connectors and subject matter experts within the self-insured market broadly, plus specific groups of self-insured employers. For example, we have one of our CEO council members runs a trucking business, but he views his business as a healthcare business that happens to operate trucks. And because he's taken a leadership 
position in the, in healthcare, the rest of the trucking industry tends to follow his recommendation. So when we look at self-insured employer solutions, he's always one of the people that him and his organization that we go to. So that gives us insight to help us figure out where self-insured employer market is going. But it also, if we're working with a company that sells into the self-insured employer population, they might look at it and say, oh, that's just one self-insured employer, whereas what it really represents is the broader industry behind that. And Brian, I know Frazier is focused on later stage, bigger enterprise value, presumably more TPAs maybe as well, where you help them. And what's the role of capital in your kind of world in unlocking these opportunities, whether it's your TPA or a some solution in the market? I think what Grant said is 100% true. And Grant, it's all about the people you're bringing to the table and the partnership that you're able to deliver. Can you help this business grow faster without giving up or without compromising quality? Can you help steer the ship where you want to go as opposed to just where the business has been going in the past? You might start with a business that does one thing and help steer the ship towards a broader vision, whether that's a consolidation play or whether that's expanding from a point solution into a health plan of the future or a couple of point solutions into a navigator of the future. Whatever the plan is that you're trying to do, you're looking for a capital partner that can help you get there. And I think one thing sometimes, having been on the operator side and seeking capital almost my entire career, it's really hard. Sometimes you forget that the capital partner wants exactly the same thing for the business that you want for the business. They're putting their own money into your success. And if you're sitting around the table and you're working well with that capital partner, your objectives should be 100% aligned, assuming you've chosen the right capital partner that has the similar belief system that you share. So I think that's often forgotten, but it really is the people that you're going to bring around at the table. And it's not just the direct experiences, although that's important. It may be introductions to specific customers or introductions to a company that might make sense to join together or join forces with your existing company. It's also this broader lens around what else is happening. So we're talking about the self-insured landscape. Where do we take lessons from the self-insured landscape? A lot of it, there's innovation, certainly a lot of innovation in self-insured space, but there's a lot of innovation in the commercial plans. A lot of the carriers have bought a lot of really innovative companies. There's a lot of innovation going on in the venture community that doesn't really intersect as much with this self-insured landscape. Large employers, Medicare, Medicaid, what's happening outside the U.S.? And so I think what Grant's CEO council brings or what our senior advisors, Jen, talk about bring is they're bringing the broader experiences and pattern recognition that are also useful to helping grow the business. And when you're making a decision with the management team, it's a decision that hopefully everyone's buying into and you're all steering in the same direction. Yeah. Maybe one quick thing. Could you share some numbers three to five years out? What's the kind of enterprise value you've seen in terms of growth you've seen after your capital has gone in? Are you able to share anything, Brian? Maybe you want to go first? Yeah, sure. sure. 
Oh, sorry, Grant, did you want to go first? Yeah, sure. We target a four to five X return on our capital. We've been fortunate enough to be able to achieve that historically over the last 20 years. And we generate that return almost entirely from the underlying growth of the portfolio company. So we don't seek to put a lot of leverage on businesses. We're really underwriting to building, evolving a business in a way that it becomes more valuable because it matures its solutions and grows substantially. So we're growth-oriented investors, which I think when people look at the capital landscape, part of what they need to do is identify what their plans are for their business and then match that, as Brian alluded to, the capital partner. You want to have a shared philosophy around what you want to put forward. And so we tend to be investors who invest in growth of a business. We're focused more on what the EBITDA and the revenue is at the end of the day than we are on the front. And really, we're saying, how do we build the most valuable business? And is there an opportunity to build a business that creates those turns? We have to do that. And then are we going to be aligned with the leadership team of the business to go after that opportunity? Because we're not running the company. They are. We're supporting them. We need to be aligned going in. Brian, same question to you. Yes, we target a three to four times return in our business. And the reason we do that is we're investing larger checks and it becomes harder to grow companies at the same rate when you get larger. And we, similar to Council Capital, are really focused on growth. And so there are other private equity firms that focus on operational improvement or taking costs out of the system. That's not really our model. Our model is when you're growing the pie, everyone's winning. So that's how we deliver those results. And we have delivered those results over long periods of time and many funds. We're on our 10th fund now. This is impressive growth. So you must be doing something right when you get partnered with these solutions, because otherwise a TPA might be lucky to grow at 10% a year. And you're talking about four to five X grant and Brian, you're talking about three to four at a bigger scale as well in a four to five year horizon, I take it, both of you? Yes, that's right. And so maybe give me a feel for our listeners. What are the things you're doing? What is the magic sauce? If they wanted to do it themselves, what should they focus on if they are TPA or if they are a solution? Some companies are not created to be able to achieve that kind of growth. Others are. Sometimes if an entrepreneur has all of their wealth tied up into one company, then the types of things that they would need to do to increase the growth rate that significantly would be things that could reduce the cash flow of the company temporarily. And that might be a risk that the entrepreneur is not willing to take unless they took chips off the table. So oftentimes we're freeing entrepreneurs up to an M to de-risk it, take some capital, put it to the side and then say, look, I believe in this growth opportunity. I know what we need to do. And I'm now more comfortable making decisions we're going to have to make to achieve growth. So for example, sometimes that might mean that in order to achieve higher growth, you have to increase the differentiation of the solution that you provide. And there's some investment that goes into that. Either it's 
buying a couple of other components or it's investing in technology or it's investing in people, whatever it is, you're making your company into something that can grow faster. And then you have to invest in the sales and marketing associated with bringing that product or solution to market. And so because we've done it a lot of times, we have some pattern recognition associated with that. And then we can add fuel to the fire by providing our relationships in the form of both customers, partners, et cetera. So it's really, it's not one or two things. It's embarking on an entire strategic plan to generate the growth. What we have to ask ourselves the question of going in, is this the right starting point to be able to achieve that kind of growth? And then what are the basic components that have to go into it? We'll refine it later with the team, but what are the basic components that have to go into it to achieve that growth? And then with that entrepreneur, once they've de-risked and they've taken some money off the table, are we generally aligned on pursuing that strategy? And if not, that's totally fine because there are other investors who would support a different strategy that might be more in line with some people's strategies. And so it's really important. I think what I would encourage your listeners is to ask the tough questions up front to make sure that you have the major things ironed out or you get into a relationship like that. You don't want to ask those tough questions after you've got into the deal. You want to figure that out beforehand. Hmm. Ryan, where's your magic sauce? Tripling and quadrupling the value. Look, I think I completely agree with what Grant says. So there's the part of it for certain companies, founder-led companies that is, hey, I'd love to do this, but I really don't want to take on that much additional risk. Or maybe I just don't even have the capital to do what I need to do to buy this other company to upskill my team to get expensive senior leaders. So much of it about is about that, right? And then there's also the component of, hey, this ecosystem that these established firms like Council or Frazier and a few others bring, they're helping refine the strategy and set the direction pretty quickly. And I know as a founding CEO of startup companies, there's also just something about the governance structure and having really, really smart and insightful people that understand what the objectives are, who are holding you accountable and helping in a partnership way, kind of maximize or realize that value. There's something about that and the ecosystem that you're bringing, as well as all these other resources that you're having access to. So many of the people on Grant CEO Council, I can't pick up the phone and call them or text them, but Grant can't, right? And the same is true for the Fraser ecosystem. I can text, pick up the phone and call a whole bunch of people that are going to be supportive of this business or open doors for customers. And maybe I've heard something over here on one side about a new strategy that's really working to unseat broker relationships. And I say, have we thought about, have we tried that in this business? Is that a good thing to do? So I would say at the end of the day, the team's still doing the hard work, but some of these things that we're talking about, you really can't replicate unless you happen to have that ecosystem, unless you happen to have those supporters around you, and unless you're willing to take that personal risk by, do you mortgage your house the third time to do it? And is probably an example that Grant's probably heard from time to time 
but there's just also, hey, I, in our world where we're, they're bigger deals, a lot of times I've got a great lifestyle business. I don't need to do anything more. I'm fearful of growing too fast because I see all these examples of other companies that grew too fast and they didn't invest properly in their operational infrastructure along the way. It's a partnership really built on trust and respect. And what that really gets down to is there has to be enough trust and respect from the private equity firm that the team that they're backing is deep and has the right capabilities to execute on the strategy. And for the entrepreneur and for their team, it's the reciprocal trust and respect in the private equity firm that they are broad as when Brian talks about an ecosystem, by definition, an ecosystem is broad. And so when you bring that depth from the company to the breadth of the private equity funds ecosystem, those two together can be a powerful combination, but it doesn't work unless the relationship between the two is really built on that combination of trust and respect for each other mm -hmm. and what each other brings. A lot of hard work to grow. One last question, lightning round effectively what kind of solutions, whether specific things that are delivering the ROI that you're seeing in the market that is really exciting you? Grant, if you want to go first, just throw in one or two, three or five things that are you're seeing that there's a strong impact for the self-funded employer. Particularly with the macroeconomic environment at play, anything associated with cost containment that doesn't create too much friction is something that we're really interested in. So whether it's focused on site of care shift, whether it's focused on centers of excellence, whether it's RBP, whether it's fraud, waste, and abuse, anything in and around those areas we get really excited about. We like care navigation, but it's a very noisy space. So figuring out who the winners are going to be is, I think, quite challenging. So those are a few that I would throw out there. Wonderful. Brian? I think some of these newer plans, health plans of the future are very exciting to me. So I think the one, the top of my list is like a bind, which United bought and it's now called Surest. This was a company that essentially said, hey, we're going to make healthcare more affordable for people if they choose to make it more affordable. So we're going to vary the co-pays and deductibles or the co-pays anyway, based on which doctor, which hospital you visit. And based on that total cost of care continuum, when United bought them less than two years ago, that was installed, there's a bind option, they call it Surest Now, and one in 25 of their enterprise clients. Now, last I heard on their last earnings call, it was one in nine. So over 10% of their large employers were adopting this approach because it makes healthcare more accessible to more people and it saves the company money. So that's an example of something that excites me in terms of healthcare of the future. I think the captives, Pareto, what they've done in the captive market is super exciting. They basically have built a health plan of the future. At least they started that way. I think they've fallen away from that a bit. But when they started, they said, hey, we'll help you go from fully insured to self-insured. Here's the package of things that you need to do that. I think the some of the incentive programs built around a plan where you don't have to change out your whole plan, but you give people money if they do the right thing. Those are very exciting as well. And then all of the other topics that the grant said, I think the area that holds most promise in the next five to 10 years is what is the innovation that's going to be built around 
two things, transparency and AI. So many different ideas, so many places. So listeners, there you have it. These are some real value bombs here from two great investors. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you, Grant, for sharing your ideas. How can listeners get to you, connect with you, or they want to pitch their business to you? For us, gjackson at councilcapital.com or just go to the website to hear from people. And it's been a pleasure, as always, chatting with you, Ramesh, and Brian, just wish we lived in the same city. It'd be good to see you more often than we do. Thank you so much, Ramesh, for this opportunity. Grant, I was thinking earlier, it's time next time I'm in Nashville, I'm hoping we can grab dinner together. And then in terms of getting in touch with, with me, Brian Poger at FraserPartners.com, Brian.Poger, or just go to FraserHealthcare.com. And there's plenty of ways to get in touch with us and would love to chat with you about your businesses. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. Thank you very much. I would like to thank Ikigai Growth, our sponsor of this show. Please join us again for another podcast in the series brought to you by HCAA's Voices of Self-Funded. Please like and share so we can build a community of like-minded people. And tell us about topics that we should bring to you next. Please watch our email for updates on upcoming guests. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar of Zaki Point House.